gray sky, hello blue. There's nothing can hold me when I hold you. So right, it can't be wrong. Rockin' and rollin' Hey everyone, welcome to Rockin' All Week with You, a Happy Days podcast hosted by me, Dan. Hello, how are you? Season 5, episode 12, I believe, and it is our annual-ish three-episode episode. We're covering three episodes in this one instead of two, and in this one uh, we are going to, uh, this is actually going to be kind of interesting, we are going to begin with the um, the fourth anniversary show, which... Um, Wikipedia says it's also called Richie's Girl Exposes the Cunninghams. Um, I guess it could be called that, too. I don't know. The fourth anniversary show works just fine for me. It's a clip show. Like the last two anniversary shows, it's a clip show. And it aired... Well, I'll I'll give you the airing in a minute. And we're also covering Do You Want to Dance and Second Wind. We'll start with the fourth anniversary show right here. uh, Directed by Jerry Paris. All three of them are. It's written by Bob Bruner and Samuro Mitsubi. And it aired March 23rd, 1978. And in this one, uh, Lori Beth is uh, is uh, doing a term paper, and she wants to write about the average American middle class family, American family, and so she's going to write about the Cunninghams, and she talks to pretty much everybody, just to get um, you know some clips from the show, and she talks starts with the Cunninghams, and then she ends with Joni, and the, and then with sort of Richie, and and the thing the thing about the episode is she has to do it covertly. This is what the second episode is a, a second episode title is about. She has to do it covertly because Richie thinks that he is she is doing this to find out about his ex girlfriends. And in the end, he he delivers a clip monologue of all his ex girlfriends, but everything's just fine. And uh, or I guess it's everything's just fine. I don't know if I was Lori Beth, I'd get the hell out of there, uh, you know, immediately. But um, yeah, that's the episode. It's a clip show, and everyone she goes to talk to, we see lots and lots of clips, and we go, we go way, way back. We go, um, geez, how far back do we go? We go, well, we go back to the first season, and we get, um, we do. No, that's from not love, not from Love America style. We we get the um, the we get the clip. Was it used from Love America style? No, I, I didn't. I checked it. But we get the clip where the, they have the new TV and the woman is going to, the girl is, is going to come and visit, uh, go on with a date with Richie. Um, but in the end, he turns out she has a boyfriend. She just used him for the TV. And I know that's the Love America style that was reused slightly in a second season episode. But I'm not going back to those right now. So let's say we go back that far. I don't, I don't think we get anything from... Um, all the way, the first regular episode, but we get a clip from the lemon. So we go unlike, um, unlike say the one two years ago where we um, we uh, the season three one where we basically focused on season three and the season four one where there were a couple clips from um, season uh, the first two seasons. This one is, this one just goes crazy. It shows uh, episodes from all the seasons. You get to see the um, you know the the living room and the different configuration and everything like that and. Um, uh, I, th- I think I think by th- at this point, I mean you don't see Chuck. At least I, I didn't see Chuck. But by this point, you really, um, they, they, I think they've embraced the the fact that that was their past. They're not trying to ignore it anymore. And um, and if they confuse people, they confuse people. You know, and, and maybe um, maybe they'll remind people of that time. I think um, at this point we are over 100 episodes, so they were up for syndication. And so the reason that that could be the reason why they're showing the clips, the early on clips where the show does look significantly different and there's a different layout to the house and 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 it could, could be because if the show Happy Days again if it's going into syndication those episodes are going to be included. 
well, maybe this was, I, I don't know, this just occurred to me right now, maybe this was episode, at air, this was episode like around 110. So there's every good chance that syndication may have already started uh, on this. I don't know how quickly it works. I mean, if they know that it's obviously going to get to 100, they probably sold everything, um, all the rights and everything, and, and got it all set to go a uh, long, long time ahead. I, I, like, I like that thought. I like that thought that the reason why there's so many first and second season clips in this one, but there weren't in the last two, is because we're over 100 episodes of the show is now going into syndication. And so people watching it during the day who maybe didn't see those first season shows and watch it thinking, this is weird. What what is what am I watching here? What is this? Um, those people might um, will have watched this episode and seen those clips and maybe go, oh, that's, that's okay, that was an earlier bit of the show, or maybe some, maybe they live in a different house, or oh, they, they'd get it, it wouldn't look weird to them, because the, the primetime episode, the new episode, said, yes, this is our past, and it's okay, so you can enjoy them in syndication, boom. Anyway, I gotta play you a blast of something, I'll be on the other side, and we'll continue talking about this episode. Splish, splash, I was taking a bath, long about a Saturday night. I'm back. That was just a short blast. It's, let, me, let me just say that in the credits, you do get at the end contributing directors, Jerry Parrish, George Tyne, Herb Wallerstein. Again, maybe maybe to, um, to say to people who watch some of the early episodes and are like, I see Jerry Parrish's name in all the episodes, but his name isn't on some of these early ones. What's going on? I, I think I, I like that concept that they don't want to, uh, if you were, like maybe right before they started showing, like um, in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, in, in summer of '86, uh, where I grew up, is is when um, they started showing on on the PBS station, the BXXI, Rochester, New York. They started showing the um, the first, second, and third Doctor episodes of Doctor Who. Prior to that, they showed the fourth Doctor, into the fifth Doctor, and they had just shown in August, like September of 1986, they had just shown season 22 into the sixth Doctor. But suddenly, they went from um, as modern as Doctor Who could get at that point, because Trial of a Time Lord hadn't aired yet, it went from like the most recent episode of Doctor Who, granted, which aired almost a year and a half before Revelation of the Dogs Part 2, suddenly it went back to an unearthly child, suddenly it went back 23 years, and it would be like if they had, and I'm pretty certain they did something like this, some sort of publicity something or other where they showed, because they did have somewhere around there, they had some sort of clip thing that they showed I don't remember what it was called. Resistance is useless. Maybe that that might not have been it. But something where they showed clips from all the times that the Doctor was, in, you know, all the different Doctors. And so when people suddenly saw William Hartnell, we were in the nineteen sixty three, and suddenly you know the the pacing slowed down and the stories went all over the place and thing. Um, people warmed up to it. And I, I like the thought for this that this was around the time when syndication would have begun, and. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna stop talking. I'm gonna stop. I like the idea so much. I can't stop talking about it. But it's the same basic idea. Contributing directors, and then we go on to contributing writers. We have Dick Bensfield, William S. Bickley, Bob Bruner, Dave Ducklon, Ron Friedman, Fred Fox Jr., Lowell Gans, Roger Garrett, Joe Glauberg, Perry Grant, Dixie Brown Grossman, Bill Idelson, Walter Kempley, Brian Levant, Paul Lichtman, Lichtman, Michael Leeson. Fred Mayo, Marty Nadler, Barbara Frederica O'Keefe, Jerry Ranow, James Ritz, Mickey Rose, hey, Mark Rothman, Barry Rubinitz, 
Ruben Rubinowitz, sorry, Barry, Arthur Silver, Howard Storm, Greg Strangis, Michael Warren, Michael Weinberger, Yvette Weinberger, Stephen Zacharias. That's a lot of writers. And uh, the, one of the things you'll notice, or I notice first off, is that um, unlike the previous, the second clip show, which um, was all you know, the birthday one, where it was clearly all the new segments were shot on Al's and uh, or Arnold's and Arnold's in the in the restauranty area, and it was um, clearly video. It was clearly looked like it was shot on video, and it even had that um, tonight the Happy Days third anniversary special guy and like the the video insert title. This one uh, doesn't look like that. I'm just I'm just having one quick peek to make sure I'm not full of it. Yeah, this one doesn't look like that. This one looks like it was actually put together on film. It doesn't. I don't. It doesn't have the lower quality um, of the. Um, uh, the third anniversary special where you can tell it looks like it looks like film transferred to video this looks like film this looks like it came from a film print so this looks like they actually put a little more effort into it and I suppose also last year was when they were number one firmly set at number one so they could afford to be a little um, lazier because uh, hey they were at the top this one they're fighting with Laverne and Shirley for that number one spot and some and uh, Laverne and Shirley wins at the end of the season so if we combine that with not wanting to like make it look quite not wanting to remind people of a, like a 70s variety show and combine that with a syndication thing you're going to want it to look a little classier it does look a little classier here and it is it is much nice it's it's better put together than um, the, the previous one. It has a nice flow from the Cunningham's talking about Richie and then, um, uh, you know, uh, Chachi talking about his stuff and then the Fonz. She, Lord Beth has the f Fonz um, uh, to talk about the Cunningham's, but he ends up talking about himself because he says because he wants to be in it too. And then everyone gets a few bits where they get to talk and show, show themselves off in the clips. And uh, except for Chuck, obviously. And, um, uh, I just thought it wouldn't be funny if that ROTC scene, because they show that in here where he accidentally leads his guys into the sprinklers, and why the sprinkler systems are going off during during this display is is odd to me. Um, unless it's meant to be like a joke, unless we miss the shot of like a bunch of like hoods or something hiding with the sprinkler system, turning it on and laughing. But I would have loved if, as you see those guys marching through the wall, um, marching steadfastly through the sprinkler water everywhere, it suddenly cut to them on like a field somewhere in Vietnam, walking the exact same way, but getting shot down by like the Viet Cong. No, that would have been great. I don't know. That would have been amusing, or maybe not amusing. Maybe that's not the word I'm looking for. But suddenly, I just thought that would have been weird if it like did a um, like like in Menial Life, you know, at the end of the um the rugby match when you see Terry Jones with his face covered with mud and like oh, and then all of a sudden it cuts to him in like World War One in a trench getting shot at. Or was it World War Two? I forget. You know, you know what I mean. Something like that, but with uh, like Vietnam and these these young men getting struck down. Sorry, where did that go? That went to a strange place. Anyway. Yeah, the episode feels classier as a um, as a as a um, it, like I said, it feels less cheap and it feels like there was more effort put into it and it's more wide ranging in that it covers f pretty much the beginning of the series until more or less right now. So I like that. As far as the clip shows go, 
This is the best of them so far. I think we get one more. Now, now as far as clip shows go, I mean, the episode itself is, is okay. There are some good jokes in there. Chachi is actually pretty amusing when he's flirting with Lori Beth, and, and the, everyone else is, is, is pretty good, too. Uh, the only person who lets the side down is Richie. Uh, when it starts off with, don't let Richie know, because he thinks I'm just trying to find out about his ex-girlfriend. Where did he get that from? And then in the end, when he kind of shows up and is very um, hostile towards Lori Beth, and then gives her the montage of the ex-girlfriends. I'm just thinking, like, Richie, it's it, it's funny. You, you watch some of the clips in this episode, and you see the younger, more innocent, more fun Richie. And then there are a couple of clips where you start to see douchebag Richie coming out, and this is 100% douchebag Richie. I'm not sure what made the writers think that that would be a fun idea to see, like, who's more or less, along with the Fonz, our main character, come in and just be such a dild towards his 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 girlfriend, pardon my French, but it's just not, it's not very nice, I, I don't know, um, it, it just strikes, it, it just strikes me again, like, why is Lori Beth with him? Maybe it started off as fun, but he gets pretty stinky pretty quick, and I'm sort of jealous, and just like, you know, I hate, you know, I hate to say wanna, you know, I wanna go in there and just, you know, punch a white boy and, and take his privilege down a notch, but that's, that's kind of what I wanna do. I don't like the way he treats Lori Beth. Apparently, Lori Beth doesn't really care, though, um, because she keeps going back to him. I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like, like Ralph Cramden getting mad at Alice in every episode and then ending with, Baby, You're the Greatest. But the thing with Ralph and Alice is that they're married. They're together, you know, it's like, it's like, I mean, it's like, when, 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 when Richie and Lori Beth get married, are they going to be like Alice and Ralph? You know, getting still getting in arguments, but then making up at the end of the day? Or are they going to be like Peggy and Al? unmarried with children who, you know, who, who, you know, just st still arguing and then at the end of the day just just carrying on with their own lives. Um, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't like that ending. I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's a good one. Um, uh, but, but like I said, the, the thing that, the thing that I think that made me think that maybe even the writers knew like ugh we can't end on this like he was so rotten to her and then he gives her all this information that she doesn't want and then they kiss and make up it actually ends with him yeah singing Moonlight Bay from Requiem for Malf around the piano with the Fonz there which is a lovely scene and that's the way it closes it doesn't close with the plot which like I said I think the the writers probably thought oh yeah this this stinks. <laughs> it's it's not very good. Um, I, I I don't yeah I don't um I'm I'm not a fan of it. The the rest of the clip show stuff is pretty good. And they they pick out a lot of fun clips and there are a bunch of laughs, and it is um, and we go, just a few episodes ago. I mean like I said, Requiem for a Mouth closes it, and that was what five six episodes ago. So um you know Mork doesn't show up. At least I don't think he does. Maybe he does. Maybe he shows up in a scene with Chuck. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's it's a clip show, and um. And Lori Beth is is fine in it, and she can she leads the episode well, and, and she's got the good interviews with everyone, and she has her um, conclusions about middle class families in the end, which I will um, I will uh, I will let you watch on your own. And um, when when she talks to Al, Al says that the bachelor will always be there in the middle of things, in the thick of things. Good old Al, always always having some kind of a good time, if only in his mind. And uh, yeah, that's there's there's not much more to say about the clip show. Um, the the only other uh, thing about it is um, when she goes to Arnold's, she interviews Chachi and Ralph and Potsy and Al and and Fonzie, but she's in like three different outfits. I don't know if that's meant to imply that. I mean, but they they they. 
I, I would have thought she would have done this all in one day. But then the weird thing is, when she shows up to for, for the first interview with uh, with Chachi, she's wearing really small, tiny, tight shorts. She looks good in them. And Chachi, you can tell Chachi knows she does too. But then the next time we see her with Afan, she's got a long dress. And then the next time we see her, I think she's wearing something else. But then when she's talking to Ralph, she's got the shorts on again. So I'm a little confused as to um, what the timeline is here. I mean, maybe it took place over three or four days. Um, you know, like when she's interviewing the Fon, she has like her peach sweater with a long dress. Um, but then, yeah, when she's sitting there with Ralph in the booth, you can clearly see she's got the shorts on again. And she just keeps uh, she just keeps changing her outfit, which I guess is meant to imply that this takes place over a couple days. But she, everyone goes into Arnold, so why would it take place? I mean, maybe she's working around Richie. Maybe... maybe um, Maybe she's actually set up like interview times and she's wearing specific things like she knows like Ralph and Chacha are going to go for the shorts and she uh, she dresses in the in the long dress and the um, the, the peach uh, sweater there for the Fonz because that's what he likes on his gal, something like that. I don't know. But um, the uh, the uh, the strange implication, yeah, that she seems to have done this over three or four days rather than just like one afternoon at Arnold's seems a bit odd to me. And everyone seems to know what she's doing, so... And I and uh, but but I will I will stop there with the clip. Okay, one more thing. I like the um, the cut to the commercial where the Fon says something like that he's going to tell Lori Beth something that she doesn't know or that nobody knows about the Cunninghams. And then there's a freeze frame, and and the Fonz is kind of like hey, and Lori Beth her her mouth is wide open. She's going huh, and you learn that he thinks the Cunninghams are a bit crazy. And then it cuts to them, cuts to wacky clips like hula hooping and and tarred and feathered. Um, uh, uh, Richie and Mrs. C is the belly dancer, and Richie dressed up as a girl going to the dance. Now we don't see, we don't see Richie um, dancing with the Fonz because we saw that last year in the clip show. But we do do get to see that. We get to see them doing fake, playing fake tennis in the living room and all kinds of stuff. And I, I like, I like the fact that we're to come back when we come back for the commercial break. Like, I, I love the fact that like all of America sat through that commercial break. Like, what could the Fonz have to say? Oh my gosh, he's, he's going to break the show wide open. Um, of course he doesn't. So uh, Anyway, so let, let's go on to uh, Do You Want to Dance, the next episode. All right. Um, this episode, of course, directed by Jerry Paris, written by Fred Fox Jr., May 9th, 1978. We will talk the dates um, when I when we get back. Um, a little beat of music here. And forgive me, my neighbors have started uh, pounding on something. So if you hear occasional pounding in the background... That ain't my heart, baby. That's uh, some guy pounding on a roof. Yeah. So in this episode, um, Fonzie uh, is in love with a gal who, a ballet dancer. She runs her own um, ballet school thing in Milwaukee, and but she wants to. She's considering moving to New York um, to really, you know, help her career so she can take off as a dancer. But the Fonz kind of doesn't want her to go and brings in lots of new customers for her. But in the end, they sort of have to decide. Is she going to New York or isn't she? And will this character, this dancer, whose name I don't remember, Colleen, I think, will she be leaving the Fonz's life forever? Now, if you binge this episode and you play this episode mixed in with all the other episodes around it, it's a fun episode that has about four or five minutes of dancing from this this woman. Uh, the actress's name is Leslie Brown. She who was a real ballet dancer. We'll talk about her in a minute. Um, and it's it's one of the first times Fonz has like a or or 
we're told he has. We don't really see it too much. We, we see that he's clearly all for her, and she seems to like him okay. Um, but this is this. I mean, the the Fonz has been known throughout the show, apart from Pinky, for mainly like when you see his girlfriends, there are either a ton of them, or he'll like walk in with one, and they'll she'll be there for a scene or two, for some laughs, and then go. But in this one, apparently, like he's head over heels for this ballet dancer. He's listening to classical music. He just wants her to be happy. This, that, and the other. And there's it's one of those where they spend a lot of time telling us everything but not um, not as much time maybe showing us. Um, possibly Colleen should have been introduced in an earlier episode. Maybe we should have seen how, how the Fonz and Colleen met. I mean, how did they meet? You know, John Travolta's character meets the ballet, or the dancer gal in, um, in Saturday Night Fever because he dances too. And he happens to see her dancing and he's interested because he thinks she's cute and they're both dancers. Um, but, but this, like, how would the Fonz have seen her? Especially because it's sort of implied that the... Um, you know, like, if, if she's dancing in the studio, the studio isn't, like, it's it's kind of looks like it's on a, maybe a second floor or third floor, and it's all, like, surrounded in mirrors with some small windows. How would the Fonz have, like, seen her? I mean, she doesn't seem like the kind of character, if he snapped his fingers, I don't think she would have come running. So, the, the problem I have with it, yeah, I'm looking at it now, and it looks like the, the, the window we can see out of it looks like this is two or three stories up or, or something like that. So, it wasn't like he wouldn't have walked by and seen her dancing. So how exactly he met her, I, I I know it's not something I should dwell on. If like I said, if you binge them and you have like and say you're working and you have like six or seven episodes playing, um, it doesn't really matter. It's a fun episode, and the episode becomes about the Fonz um, overcoming kind of selfishness because it's about the Fonz knowing that this gal who he's it's not even you can't even tell whether have they been on one date have they been on six dates has it been months how long has it been um he seems enamored of her but he seems more enamored of her because um she's not a a, a drag racing gal she's not a regular kind of gal like she's she's not like a younger gal who who doesn't know where she her she's going with her life or something like that she she knows exactly what she wants she wants to dance and the episode is a it can be watched in one of two ways or one of several ways probably one of one the best way to watch it when you're binging it is the Fonz has kind of fallen in love with someone who um is not his normal kind of gal and he really is infatuated with her at this time. And he's when he learns that she wants to go to New York, he becomes selfish and begins to um, basically enlist everybody he knows to go take her dancing classes so she makes money, so she will stay there. But in the end, he has to make the decision, you know, am I doing this for myself? Um, or am I doing this for both of us? Or am I, am I hurting her? You know, this, that, and the other. And he has to make that decision. on the spoiler, in the end, he says, yeah, you should go to New York City. And then, boom, she's gone. Um, it's all very quick. Um, it's, it, it's, it's, in fact, it's, it's funny, like, the, like, the, the way it's sort of, it, like, it's not explained how they got together. It's just said, oh, he's infatuated. He's head over heels with her and she is with him. Okay, sure, yeah, that happens a lot with the Fonz. Why her? Who knows? And then the end, sort of the same thing, where the Fonz says, it's weird because the Fonz says to her, go to New York. And she says, okay, I will. You know, I, I know it's the Fonz, and, you know, he's meant to be a kind of thing, um, but but I don't really see, um, um, it's, 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 it's just kind of weird because I, I don't know, it's, it's just presented in such a weird fashion because she seems to want to go to New York, 
And then she says, um, and when he says, what about the school? And she says, well, the school's not doing that great. So he, she brings in, he brings in everyone. So she's like, the school's doing great. Now the school's doing great. And he says, go to New York. But the school's doing great. No, you should go to New York. And he's, um, you know, you didn't become a ballet dancer to teach ballet. You became a ballet dancer to dance. That's what Richie tells Fonz and the Fonz tells her. And it's, it's weird because she ends up looking, Colleen ends up looking a bit um, dopey in this because at the start she wants to go to New York but then the Fonz does all this stuff for her. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll stay here teaching. And then the Fonz has to come to her and say, you're going to New York. And it's funny because, like, within a minute, she goes from, I'm going to New York, to, I'm going to New York. I've got some friends there. I can stay with them. I'm going. And she's gone. You know, and it's like, it's like, it's like it's implied that she'll be gone the next day kind of thing. And it's, um, it's, um, I watched in a binging fashion in the midst of all the other episodes it's a fun, quick lesson in don't be selfish. But watched standalone like I did here, or, or, you know, it's the first new episode in over a month, which we'll talk about shortly. Watched in that fashion, it just, it seems like it's an episode about, it seems like it's a, it's a backdoor pilot for Colleen's adventure. Like she's going to, um, she's going to uh, New York City, and she's going to wind up in Staying Alive with Travolta, you know, um, on Hell's Alley, or what that, what the hell was that musical? In uh, you know, Stallone Staying Alive, <laughs> you know that 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 uh, John Travolta's character was in. That's a goofy movie. Um, it does honestly feel like um, they're they're tapping somewhat some Saturday Night Fever with kind of a a kind of guy. Um, uh, meeting up with a ballet dancer and falling for a ballet dancer um and um but it 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 just ends up feeling weird cuz like the beginning and end of it seem to be one thing with their romance and then the middle is this like um you know uh i got to help my i got to help i got to help her out you know she needs business so i'm going to bring her business and so there's about five, ten minutes in the middle where we got we get some funny stuff with like Ralph, a lot of good stuff with Ralph, with Potsy and Richie and everyone kind of showing. Al shows up, you know, to to do the um, the lessons. But the thing about those lessons that always occurs to me is like Al's not not going like Ralph and Potsy. They're not going for like more than one lesson, are they? So surely like having having like one week where like forty people show up and then the next week no one shows up can't be great. I mean, surely Ralph and Potsy, surely like Al hasn't signed up for like two months of lessons. And so, so it's one of those weird sitcom things where it um, it seems to like make sense and everything for um, that moment, but not when you think about it. Just the same way that when you think, how did the Fonz meet her, and how, what, how they, long have they been together? It doesn't make any sense. And the unfortunate thing with the episode is that when you sit and you watch it, sort of as not as a binging thing, but just sitting down and watching it and st- sort of studying it, it's very unsatisfying. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's. I just find it very unsatisfying. I, I wish there had been more explanation why they were together. I wish. Um, I mean, I understand why there's dancing in it because Leslie Brown was a dancer, but there's almost five minutes of dancing in the what twenty, um, five twenty six minute episode. That's a lot of dancing, and it does really feel like they're setting up a pilot for this woman to go to New York City and um, she's going to be a dancer and it's going to be fun and she's her dancing friends and they're going to do stuff like that and it just happens to have the cast of hit show Happy Days in it and um, so this is an episode I can fully recommend in a binge watching capacity if you just put on 
either either if it's showing on a station and they're like they're like um, you you recorded a bunch of them and you're gonna watch them in order, or if you just pop in the disc of the DVD and just hit play and just just go through all the episodes. Um, that that I can recommend it because it's it's got some laughs in it. The dancing is nice. Um, Fonzie joining her for a dance is fun, uh, but when you actually pay attention to it, I think it's kind of poorly put together <laughs> and. Um, it feels tired is kind of how it feels to me. It feels like they're trying to do something different with Fonz, but they do it wrong. And then they throw up they throw up sitcom stuff stolen from I Love Lucy, December Bride, My Little Margie. Hell, the Goldbergs probably even did something like this at one point. And I'm not, I don't mean the modern-day Goldbergs. Um, um, and, and so it ends up feeling... It's, it's, in, it's in chunks. You know, the, the opening... I love her, she wants to leave, and the ending, I love her and she has to leave, mixed with the sitcom-y stuff in the middle, is, um, I don't really like it. Yeah, they're, they're sorry, there's some laughs, but but overall, I find it, um, there's too much focus on, on, on the Colleen character, but most of the time she's just dancing. Like, when, when she's actually acting, she seems a little touched or something I don't, I don't quite know how to describe it and and then of course the way you know the font says you're going to new york city and that's what makes her decide when the fonz tells her she she's a, unable to decide on her own she has to have the fonz who she's known for two days three days a week two months six months four years i don't know um you, you can't you can't really tell and um that's uh yeah so Anyway, uh, let me just just go to two two more things. Um, Leslie Brown is the name of the actress who's the dancer, and she was an actual dancer. At this point, she was 20, 21, and she had been in Herb Ross's... Uh, the previous year, 77, she'd been in Herb Ross's um, movie, uh, The Turning Point. And you got to remember, 77 is what, the year of... Um, uh, 77 is the year of Star Wars, Annie Hall... Um, Goodbye, girl. Close Encounters came out in 77. I want to say yes. Well, it could have been early 78, but it was nominated for stuff. Um, it was also the year Turning Point. Turning Point was about dancers. Uh, as I said, directed by Herb Ross, who I know best for directing Played Against Sam. Um, apparently, Leslie Brown was his goddaughter, which must have helped. Uh, which must have helped. Um... And she, she's a very good dancer in the episode. I'm sure she is in the movie, too. And she was in a, a few other... Uh, but she, she, her career's been dancing. She, she was in a few other movies, both, I think, possibly directed by Herb Ross, too. Um, as, as far as, like, acting-wise, she's... Um, in this episode, at least, she's kind of underwhelming. She's kind of a little too low-key. Like, she doesn't... Like, she's acting for, like, a film camera rather than in front of a live audience. Um, so when she's dancing, she's great, but her actual acting just seems a bit... Um, underwhelming um but but the the interesting thing about the turning point i'm going to look at it here so so i'm going to mix in the two things i have to say and then we'll get on to um second wind um and that is that um the the previous episode the anniversary episode had aired march 23rd 1978 the two previous seasons had also ended in march the uh, the fourth anniversary show was the last episode produced of the season, so that was March twenty third seventy eight, and so that means this episode Do you want to dance was produced before March twenty third. I don't know when, but it was produced before then. Now, granted, there's also a mo almost a month break in between my favorite Orkin and the fourth anniversary show, and the reason why there were all these breaks is because 
happy days. Unlike, I, I don't know if their ratings were dropping. I mean, the number two show for the season. Um, but but one of the big months of the year for Nielsen's was May. May May is uh, one of the sweeps weeks time. But in the previous two seasons, when the show was what number three and number one, there were no new episodes in May. Whereas second season there was one. The last episode of the season was in May. I think with the one where they go to Chicago. Does that sound right? But this one they very specifically. And you can see it when you look at the gap there um, between My Favorite Orchid and the fourth anniversary show. They specifically set four episodes aside to air in May during Sweep Weeks so they could have four new episodes airing. Uh, which is interesting because they hadn't done that the previous seasons, probably because there was no, there was no need for them to, to do that. And I don't know why they felt the need to do that here. Um, but yeah, so, so it's, it is interesting because this is... Actually, technically, this is the, the first time... Not, not not counting the first season and one episode of the second season, I don't think counts, but this is the first time they've really set aside episodes to load up sweeps, the sweeps month of May, which is interesting. Um, uh, and I wonder I wonder how they did with the ratings. I don't know, maybe maybe I'll try to find it before the end of the next episode. But but they, they are specific. They specifically did that here. Um, which means the fourth anniversary show would have really stuck out Maybe that's the thing to do with the syndication again or something. Because the the um, the hundred tenth episode was the end of February, and the hundred eleventh was what uh, almost a month later. But so so the fourth anniversary show would definitely have stuck out because it would have been the first one in almost a month. It was a new episode, and then it's over a month again before there's a new episode. So the, uh, so the last four. But the 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 um, so I love that sweep sweeps weeks. And also the fact that this episode most likely would have been shot before March. Probably, I would guess, February. Maybe maybe February, maybe early March, something like that. February or March. Um, but definitely shot before March 23rd. The interesting thing is that The Turning Point was nominated at the 50th Academy Awards. It was nominated for 11 awards, which was... Um, I, I don't know. That, that year, what, Annie Hall won four, Star Wars won six... Uh, and I think those were the two big winners uh, from that year. And Star Wars, they were all technical, special effects related. And Annie Hall was what director, um, actress, screenplay, original screenplay, and movie. But in um, but Turning Point was nominated for eleven, including Leslie Brown. So when this episode was shot, circa February March of seventy eight, she would have been Academy Award nominated Leslie Brown. The Academy Awards were in April when there weren't any new Happy Days episodes. So when this aired on May 9th, 1978, she would have been Academy Award nominated and Academy Award losing Leslie Brown. It's almost like, it almost feels a bit like um, the way they shot the Pinky episodes and then put out all the, um, all the, uh, all the, um, hype for it and all the excitement for it Fonzie's got a girlfriend Fonzie's got a girlfriend they shut the Pauline Halloween special calling her Roz Peaky Duskadero Kelly but by the time the episodes actually aired she was off the show and so all that stuff ended up. but there's kind of something funny here because she's listed as a special guest star I didn't know who she was I've never seen Turning Point and then I looked her up and goes oh my gosh okay so when they made this episode she was Academy Award nominated when it aired, she was Academy Award losing, as one must be. But yeah, Turning Point was nominated for 11 and lost 11, which um, was the biggest um, up until Color Purple, which had the same thing happen. It was the biggest number of um, uh, nominees, nominations, and not winning a single award ever. Um, so that's uh, that's 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 a fun fact for everyone. But yeah, so that's that's Do You Want to Dance? Um, binge it, binge it. 
if you binge it, it's fun. If you binge it, you'll see the dancing, you'll see some goofy stuff in the dance studio, and you'll see a semi-poignant scene at the end where the fun sort of lets her go. If you focus too much on it, um, the balance is off, the structure is something's... It's, it's, it's the, the story doesn't begin right, it doesn't end quite right, the bit in the middle is, is too sitcom-y. So, uh, let's, go on, let's go on to second win. Gosh, I think I like the, the clip show more than I like Do You Want to Dance. Is that, that can't be right. Anyway, so let's go on now. Second wind. Uh, this one's uh, written by Brian Levant, who wrote Our Gang, directed by Jerry Paris, May 16th, 1978, so one week later. And this one, apparently, it's very rainy, and it's very close to summer. So I guess we are at the end of the first year of college for the guys, and Richie's going to get a job at a supermarket um, uh, where Lori Beth is working, and Ralph and Potsy are going to be like longshoremen or something, which I find, I find very amusing. Um uh, but, the, but the main plot is that Al is going to, from the Sons of Italy, he's going to receive Man of the Year Award, but he doesn't have a date. And so the Fonz hooks him up with a meter maid named Anna. Uh, they kind of seem to hit it off when they meet briefly in Arnold's. They have a good time on the date, but unfortunately... Um, uh, well, Arnold Arnold basically falls in love with her very quickly. This is actually this is like if if they had rewritten this with the Fonz and the ballet dancer, this could have been the first part of the two part "Do You Want to Dance" story. They could they could have put this one before, and it could have ended with like like um, the Fonz being really in love with the ballet dancer who he met and went to this thing with, and um, or something like that. I don't know, but but as as it is, this this feels like for for two thirds of it it feels like um it could have been the setup for the previous episode um but anyway um yeah so so al um yeah al, al falls over head over heels for anna but anna kind of you know after the first date kind of says thanks but no thanks and al gets a little sad and um uh that's it really so let, let me give you let me give you a little blast of music and we will discuss second wind on the other end <laughs> All right, second wind, and I have moved locations uh, for the remainder of this episode. You remember I mentioned that my neighbors were on the roof pounding away? Well, the pounding has gotten louder, and my other neighbor has started doing some sawing. So the room I was sitting in was a mix of zzzz and Now I'm in the garage. I think you might be able to hear a small plane going by. Occasionally you might hear a TV. We might hear the saw. We might hear some other noises. And this, I imagine, is very different acoustically than the rest of the episode, but... Bear with me. It'll just be for the second wind chat. And second wind is the, it's the opposite to me of do you want to dance? Do you want to? Obviously, I forgot to mention do you want to dance is, um, uh, you know, from the song. Do you want to dance? And hold my hand. Help me, baby. I'm your loving man. Oh, baby. Do you want to dance? Do you want to dance under the moonlight? Excuse me, excuse me, all through the night. Oh, baby. You know that. I forget who did it originally. I'm, I'm pretty sure the Beach Boys did a, a version, and it would have been awesome, and I'm pretty sure the Ramones did a version, which was awesome. So, Second Wind. Anyway, it's not based on the Be Billy Joel song because it hadn't happened yet. But Second Wind is... um. I wonder what that... Uh, where the title comes from, because it's... Because in the episode, yeah, Al is... Basically, Al goes on the date with this woman... They go back to Arnold's afterwards. They make cookies together. They arrange a date at his place, and he's going to make her dinner. And she calls him up uh, right before the date and says, let's just be friends. 
and um, and it becomes a big El Dumpamundo. But I, I don't really know. Like if um, I mean to me, going on one date with someone and then them have saying, "No, I'm okay. Let's just be friends," isn't dumping per se. I mean to me, dumping is you've gone on three or four or five dates and then all of a sudden it's no. Let's 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 just make this friendship to actually because you see he meets Anna briefly oh, well you don't know how long you see him talking for about 30 seconds and then you see her uh, leaving and she seems excited about it he seems excited about it they have the date and he um, he 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 you as with the previous episode there are big moments here that they're not showing you we only see Anna for two minutes so the fact that it's so weird, like we see Colleen for so much in the previous episode, but we don't we don't sort of get the, the we don't get the opening of their thing. We just sort of get the I guess guess like the middle and the end. And this with Anna, all we get is the intro. We don't we don't hear about the date. We, I mean, Al's a charming guy. I imagine there was just a point in the date where she was like, okay, he's he's more of a friend. And and so she she probably maybe she spent the day thinking about it and she probably should have called him sooner you know rather than when he was well he's still he doesn't have pants on when he's in his apartment jumping around with his ukulele and singing he's very happy uh, to see her and um, and then she calls him and says she can't come I um I imagine if she said the night before if she said she would um, go out with him again it was probably just something during the day that she was thinking of and that's when she she came to it so so it's not like um you know no one's like oh anna what did you do that was her decision they went on a date she didn't want to go on another one um may, maybe she should have not accepted the second date but uh, but she probably didn't had know uh what she thought yet um the unfortunate thing is we don't know because we just see her that brief moment and then we just hear al's side of the story and um, this, it, I'm trying to like, like I said, with the second wind, trying to think where that comes from. Because at the end, after she says, "Let's just be friends," he goes upstairs in his apartment building and asks, and I, I couldn't quite tell, um, I whether he was inviting a, like like a woman who was a neighbor of his who he helps out take her garbage out. And sometimes he says he always wanted to get to know her better, and he's never had the 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 nerve. He's never been brave enough. But today he was. And so he asked her for dinner. So I think that's the second wind that this, this, um, I mean, cause, cause the thing with Anna is he meets her in the afternoon, goes out with her in the evening and they know that's the last time he'll see her. So this is very much a introducing a character who you'll never see again. Cause that's kind of the point of it sort of thing. I guess the second wind is that he has this date with this other woman. The thing is we're not, I doubt we're ever going to see, and I, I actually, I know we're never going to see that other woman either. So it's kind of a weird thing um to to have the two women and um to know that none of them will appear really again um however having said that and um i really like this episode i think al is great in it i think there there's a major b plot which takes up kind of takes up almost as much time but not quite as the al plot which is the summer jobs and um, uh, Richie's getting his summer job working at the supermarket. Uh, Chachi wants to be assistant manager of Al's, and uh, Ralph and Potsy going to be longshoremen or stevedores or whatever. That's some funny stuff. When they come back from their first day at the docks, and they are just <laughs> the joke with the hook is very funny, and um, there's some very funny moments in there. And then the gag at the end, the closing gag at the end is um, it's actually really it's handled really nicely because. Um, uh, Al is, um, 
he sends you know Mr. C and Fonzie and Richie go to see him at the end to try to make him feel better. Um, and they think he's boozing it up because he's got a bottle of wine in his hand, but he's putting that, he's making, puts that in some spaghetti sauce. And they think he's joking that he's got someone else coming to see him, but he explains to Mr. C that, yeah, someone else, I, I did invite the woman from upstairs down and we're going to have dinner. And like I said, I can't tell whether it's a date or whether it's um, just wanting to get to know someone in the building or maybe make a new friend kind of thing. But it's actually handled really nicely by Jerry Paris because he... Um, when the per- she arrives at the door, the camera just tracks in on a candle, glowing very, very lightly on on um, the table, and you just hear the door open, and you hear very quietly like Al say, "Oh, hello," you know. So glad you- I forget what he says, but it's really sweet. And then it fades out, and when it fades back in, um, um, Chachi's the assistant manager, and he's talking with Richie, who's just been promoted to like price stamper, and then and then they call out the bus boys. And the busboys are Ralph and Potsy. So there's something very lovely about the closing off the one plot line. And like like I said, we're never going to see this woman again. Not like Rosa Coletti, who we keep we hear about again. I'll mention Rosa in a moment. Have I mentioned Rosa? Rosa Coletti is the woman that Al always brings up as bring, being the, his love of his life who absolutely broke his heart. I will bring her up again in a moment. But I do love the way you, you, you have... A, a very good scene with, with the guys going to try to cheer their friend up and discovering that he has got a second wind and he has already cheered himself up. He was down about it and he must have told um, Fonzie in a moment of weakness, uh, not in a moment of weakness, just in a moment of, of, of just wanting some compassion, just wanting a connection with someone else. And um, I don't know why I said weakness. Um but he he has that that moment and it's it, it and and everyone's so worried about him and it's funny too because they because Richie was the one who was insistent that he get a date and everyone tries to blame Richie which was really weird that you can't know how it's gonna go you know Fonzie brought in Anna and thought they'd be a good match and they were for one night they were great um, but uh, you know it's not to me and I think it, it ends lovely and this this is this is the opposite from the previous episode in that do not binge watch this one if you binge watch this one it's gonna look like um, a man in his late 40s, however old Al is supposed to be, um, becoming uh, super infatuated after a, a one date and then getting really sad um, because it didn't work out and they're not going out again. That's, that's what it looks like if you binge the episode. If you actually watch the episode, it's much sharper than that. It's much more emotional than that. And it's much funnier than that. Unlike Do You Want to Dance, which has a few funny moments in the middle with the training, with the, with the dancing, I'm, I'm trusting Brian Levant now because he did Our Gang, which is a very funny episode, but also had some poignant stuff in it. This is a funny episode. This has a lot of great gags. A couple of dumb gags, but all these shows are filled with dumb gags. Um, and like um, when Anna leaves and, and um, Al was clearly nervous and, and Fonz to, says to Richie, hey, he did pretty good. did pretty good. He, he, poured, a salt, he poured salt into his coffee. And Fonz looks at him and says, yeah, but he did it with cool. And I like that. So bring Brian Levant back, please. He, um, like with Lowell Gans, he, he actually can write funny stuff. He has funny lines that pepper everything. That, then the, like, there's, a fun, there's a fun moment that begins with whoever it is who asks, like, um, you know, I, I forget if it's who here hasn't been... St- we, we've all been stood up, haven't we, or something. I think Joni says it, and everyone says yes, but then the Fonz says no. Or maybe it's the opposite, where she asks a question where 
everyone says no, but the Fonzie. But it's about being stood up, and then somehow everyone keeps referring to Mr. C. You know, you know, you go help him. You go talk to Al, dear. You've been stood up more than anyone. And you know, Al's saying, I, I want to talk to you, um, Howard, because you, you understood being stood up. And Howard's just like, why does everyone say that? I think that's quite lovely. Bring Mr. You always bring Mr. C into it, and you're going to make me smile. And I looked at Mr. C begins to tell sort of his emotional story. And Al's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe some other time. And, but we get the Rosa Coletti thing where she, she says takes place in 34, 35. And she left him, stood him up, and he's never really gone out with another woman since. And this is 1960. That was 25 years ago. So I'm imagining Al is meant to be in his mid to late 40s. I can't tell. I I don't know. I uh, with, with folks at this time, I really can't tell how old anyone is supposed to be. I mean, I can make make guesses at Joni because you could see Aaron Moran aging and growing, be going from a little kid into a woman. But you can't tell with Al. I mean, to me, Al is close to 50, maybe even over 50. But I'm sure somewhere it says he's like 40. Which wouldn't make any sense because then that would mean the Rosa Coletti thing happened when he was 15, and you got to get over it. You got to get over it. That's because uh, one of, one of the things when I watch this, it, when I when you binge this, it it feels a bit. If you're not, if you're only superficially watching it, it feels like Al has been given a plot line that should have been given to like Joni, you know, or maybe Richie three years ago, getting stood up and he's mopey about it and he's sad. That that's the way it feels if you're if you're if you're just not quite paying attention, you know, just it's sort of on the back of your head. But if you focus on it, that's not what it is at all, because you can see that Al is sad. But then, as with 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 the fact that you only hear about the day via Al, you see him be sad for a moment. You would be too. I mean, good lord, the times. Did I ever tell you guys the, the time? Um, no, I won't say that. I won't tell that. I won't tell the Molly story. Now, um. And I know what you're thinking if you listen. Hey, Molly, isn't that your mom's dog's name? No, this isn't a story about my mom's dog. This is a story about a girl I knew named Molly in high school. And it ended with, a, and it, it was actually, we, uh, it was being recorded. A friend of mine was, was videotaping me while I was talking to her, trying to get her to go out with me. And it, it ended with me hanging up the phone and more or less looking exactly like Al. I didn't start singing at the end of it. I was just like, you know, that didn't go well. But that, but that's what that's what Al in this scene looks like. He hangs up the phone and he's he's been devastated in that moment. But he only met her thirty hours ago. He's going to get over it, and he does very quickly. But the the reactions of all his friends, who are obviously very worried about him, is is over. It becomes is over the top. You know, if he had, it's funny if he hadn't told the Fonz then there's every good chance that the rest of the episode would have been, oh, how's your date with Anna? Oh, well, she didn't show, but I asked someone else, and we had a great time. Now, granted, dramatically, if you're not going to show it, that ain't up to much. But um, uh, but that could be another ending. Uh, but overall, I really love the episode because it's... it's Like I said, it's not all like... like The Do You Want to Dance is all about the Fonz and this dancer, and, and the unsatisfactory way it begins and the weird sitcom trappings in the middle, and, and the kind of eh way it ends makes it a dud for me. Whereas Second Wind balances the A plot nicely with the B plot, and the B plot is just silliness, so there's nothing in the B plot but silliness, and the A plot has just enough emotion to, um, uh, to make it worthwhile, and to also make the jokes funnier, too. I mean, the moment when, um, when the Fonz is, is leaving... 
And I, well, the Fonz, Richie, and Mr. C are leaving. I guess it is a date because Richie says to Al, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And, and Al kind of goes, oh, ho, ho. And, and Fonzie says something along the lines of, which, which is a great thing. He says, you know what? Yay. Al, go for it. And he punches the wall, and Al's like Pullman bed, you know, the bed in the wall suddenly drops down. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very funny moment. And I mean, that's the thing with this this show at this point. Is, I mean, I've been kind of getting down on season five here, especially in the second half. I've been finding it, it's just too generic. And they're, they're just, they seem to be, to me, to be relying on the fact that, I mean, I mean, we're in the fact now where they are, you know, in the top two, probably in the top five, top ten every single week. So there must be a time in there when you, when you get a little complacent. There must be a time in there. You know, there's got you. You've got a little bit. You know, maybe contracts have been signed. You know, maybe maybe you know, and and they're going for a few. I mean, it's like you know when Mystery Science Theater three thousand got picked up for that. I think it was picked up for three twenty-four episode seasons, and then got a fourth soon after that. You know, season three through six of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, four seasons in a row. 24 two-hour episodes a season. That's a ton of work. And they were all hired on for those, and that was just a very... I mean, they say in the MST Colossal Episode Guide, like in season four or something, they were, uh, you know, high on the hog. You know, it was just like they knew they had two to three more years, you know, to, you know, 24 episodes. That's a ton of stuff to do. And so there must be a point in there where it's like, our show has been so high in the ratings, we're not going down anytime soon... And there must be a point of complacency. Now, I, I don't normally see that in the acting. Some, sometimes you'll see it looks maybe it looks like someone's kind of strolling through an episode, kind of. But and occasionally Jerry Paris will do his lazy thing with the, the filming. But it really, to me, it comes down to sort of the writing, and the writing has to keep sharp because that's the basis for every episode. Everyone could be working their butts off, but if the writing's mediocre, eh. You're kind of in the toilet. And to me, Do You Want to Dance isn't great. There have been previous episodes of this season that haven't done that for me either. But this one, Second Wind, does it. I do like this episode a lot. And it's raining the whole time. It's it's. They say it's... They say it's... It's, it's obviously right before summer. I don't know. I mean, maybe it is May. Maybe it's meant to take place in the same month when it aired. Um, but it's meant to be right before summer. And um, it's always raining. So that kind of gives it a nice feel, too, because whenever anyone comes in from outside, they're either soaking wet or, like, Al takes a walk, walks to work in the rain, and he's soaking wet, or they have their raincoats on. It's kind of a nice it's kind of a nice touch. So I will stop there about second win. So I, I say out of the three episodes here, the fourth anniversary show is the best of the three clip shows so far, but it is still a clip show. So, I mean, I can't really recommend... I mean, the first Simpsons clip show is excellent, and the second one ain't bad. The, the South Park clip show from, I think, season two is, is a lot of fun. Man man, of the, man for the Job, the th- uh, first episode of the third season of Green Acres, that's a good clip show. Um, and the Beverly Hillbillies had a sort of, sort of, uh, had a clip show in its first season, I think. Oh, it's the tax, the one where the IRS comes to talk to Jed Clampett. There's a clip show in that. But with that one, that feels like more of... Uh, well, I guess that could just be we're out of Paul Henning just just exhausted, and wrote something like that. Um, but to me, that felt more like uh, um, the show started off and became so popular so quick. We're just sort of reliving some early moments that you may not have seen before the show took off, kind of thing. But um, but yeah, I mean this 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 fourth anniversary um, show. It's a decent clip show. It's got a lot of fun clips in it, a lot of laughs. Um, but it is a clip show, so I can't. 
on, on in all in all honesty, I can't I can't say it's 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 brilliant, but it's nicely done. Uh, Do you want to dance? Has a few laughs, but it's to me a dud. The second win is is the winner of this this um this episode um of the podcast. I think it's I think it's very good. So all you need is good jokes. You just need the good jokes. Is what you need. You need to keep it keep people laughing, and then even if you have a, a story that isn't the best, you can people looking forward to the next laugh you make them laugh once that that's a sign that you can do it you know and you haven't just written a generic script filled with generic jokes so brian levant return to the show please i don't think he's in the rest of the season uh he is not joe joe glauberg oh dave ketchum tony mark dave ketchum in the rotc episode he used we saw him in the in the clip show so anyway i'm gonna stop that was um this was episode this is episode twelve of season five. We've got one more episode. And then we're finishing up season five. It's rules to date by and Fonzie for the defense. Um be good to yourselves, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll be back and wrap up the big, big, big season five. Talk to you oh, they do include the jumping the shark scene in the clip show. I forgot to mention that. Ba boom. Listen to this.